that are happening as news parts of news outlets that we think, okay, that's an interesting story. Maybe it's not part of the big headlines, but it's something that we'd like to look at. And just to note, uh, an anonymous uh, WhatsApping us and saying, we hear this story of data costs and it is the same thing but they are still just eating the money like they eat hamburgers. And we agree. We think, can we not get that down? It's just, I'm just going to take a deep breath here. And then I'm going to just think of beautiful sound of running water. And that's just going to make me feel great. Or it may just make me want to go to the loop, but there we go. So... The story we're going to is one that I think is completely fascinating, quite concerning, but um, fascinating nevertheless. So scientists are deeply concerned that there are fewer swallows migrating to South Africa to escape the British winter. And most of the time, over many, many years, swallows, barn swallows, have made, spent their lives trekking between the UK and South Africa in annual migrations. But now it seems that things are changing. And uh, that's not necessarily the case. Many are opting to stay behind, and we have to figure out why this is happening. On the line is Jeff Lockwood, who is an ornithologist at the Delta Environmental Center. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Michelle? Yes, hi. You can hear me. Yes, I can hear you well, thanks. Jeff, let's just uh, understand how does migration and annual migration work globally? Okay, so I think we need to go back a bit and figure out why it started in the first place. Yeah. And for birds, obviously, their, their mobility gave them a big advantage over more sedentary animals, you know, things that can't move intercontinentally. But what happened was that we went through a number of ice ages, and at some stage, uh, you had the option of either going extinct or moving out of an area that wasn't able to support you during the very extreme winters that were being experienced. So birds started moving. And if you're moving to get away from winter, obviously, um, and you have the capacity to cover long distances, then it makes sense literally to cross the equator, to go to the other hemisphere where they're experiencing the opposite season. And that's what birds have been doing for uh, tens of thousands of years, and it's become part of their DNA. It literally, in the case of some species, they actually inherit the migration routes that they will follow from their parents. So it is deeply ingrained in the behavior of many of the species we, hear, uh, we see here in South Africa that travel these distances of in excess of 10,000 kilometers each way just to avoid the period in their, their home territory, because most of these birds breed in the northern hemisphere, where they would really battle to find enough food. Okay, so now we are seeing this shift and change, which obviously talks to the fact that maybe the temperature and the weather is changing. Exactly. So in... In Britain particularly, they have been experiencing a succession of generally milder and milder winters, <clears throat> and that opens the door for birds to actually stay around and find enough food to survive. Hmm. And if they start that process and, and it, it, they don't hit 
a, you know, sort of out of sequence, particularly severe winter, which actually pushes reset, they can actually slowly lose this behavior of migrating. And uh, they can then, because they're back in Britain, at the first sort of signs that the winter is easing, they can already start thinking about breeding and potentially uh, get in another brood of chicks uh, because they've got an extended breeding season. Because they're there and, and not returning from Southern Africa, they can get the best breeding territories and their success is potentially going to be higher. And there's a very real chance that their offspring will actually continue the behavior or this new behavior that the, the parents have started. Sure. So what would that impact be, one, on the barn swallows that remain in the UK? And what would that impact be on that ecosystem? And what does it mean for our ecosystem here in South Africa if uh, – you know, we always think of the, the swallows. We hear of people who come here for six months for the summer and then go back six months there for the summer. But what happens literally when the swallows are not um, coming along? Well, in terms of, of Britain, the birds will only stay if they're finding enough food. Yeah. And particularly in the early stages of this change in behavior, that's what it is that we're seeing now it's not unlikely to really impact anything significantly. And from our point of view uh, here in South Africa, what's interesting is that we know from ringing studies. Just, explain, just see, explain to our listeners what a ringing study is. Okay, so when we want to try and uh, discover more about bird behavior, one of the techniques is we catch these birds, fit them with numbered metal rings, which are unique to that individual bird. And then if any, at any stage we either catch that bird again or potentially we pick it up uh, dead, you know, it's been hit by a car and we pick it up and, and see it's got a ring, we can follow up where that bird comes from. And so in studies of barn swallows here in South Africa where we put nets up at the, uh, at the reed beds where these birds come in to roost, we've caught birds in the same nets on the same day coming all the way from the British Isles all the way across to Central Asia. So we are getting birds, barn swallows, from a very wide area across Europe. Yeah. And so even though Britain might be getting warmer and experiencing milder and milder winters, other parts of the swallows range certainly are not necessarily following the same trend at the same speed. So for a long time into the future, we should still be seeing barn swallows arriving here in numbers. We've got a question from one of our listeners for you. Let's go to it. Good morning to you, Michelle. Good morning to your guest. What would happen if the winter seasons change and then they become more severe and then the new breed is used to staying over and not migrating? What would happen to them then? Thank you, Chapter 2. So if we saw like things changing, so for example, maybe the winters are becoming much more um, moderate in the UK, but perhaps maybe in South Africa, the winters are becoming more extreme here in South Africa. I mean, I'm just thinking of Johannesburg and the amount of rain that we've had, which, which feels unusual, 
but perhaps it's not. I don't know. Um, but what would that then mean for the birds? In in the case of of uh, uh, abnormal sudden cold, like really cold winter, there will be losses. Um, the birds could still try and 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 move out of Britain simply as a survival response. And in those cases, they may not go very far. They may, you know, just pop down to North Africa or somewhere where they can still find the kind of temperatures where insect activity is not, you know, completely suppressed. So they, they move south and find slightly warmer areas where they can still find food. So there's a bit of flexibility. Um, you know, we are just starting to see signs of this kind of behavioral shift and, and change in the way the birds are responding. But it's still so much part of the behavior of these species that it's unlikely to become, a, you know, for them a dead end. There will be losses, a sudden cold spell, even down here in South Africa when they're visiting us, uh, where you get a, a week of, of very cool, cold, wet conditions where the insects are just not flying around. You can find swallows dying under those conditions as well. So the system, at least for something as numerous as a barn swallow, has got some flexibility. There, there will still be birds that survive um, these these funny um, odd seasons, and uh, they then will build up and uh, recover their numbers and this behavior will possibly shift back more to a migratory behavior for a while. I did read something uh, in the article where you commented on the fact that uh, quite a few barn owls, uh, swallows, are moving off to Namibia. Yeah, we've, we've, we had an interesting situation. I, I was in Namibia in August, which is actually pretty early, and we actually saw barn swallows there. So there's a possibility that some swallows even actually overwintered in southern Africa as opposed to going all the way back to, to Europe. And we've seen this with some birds which have set up a breeding population in South Africa uh, that were almost certainly, in, at least initially, birds that were breeding in Europe and, and migrating down here for their summer holiday, as it were. And so now some white storks breed in the Cape yeah. And we have a bird called a booted eagle, the smallest of our uh, resident eagles, that actually also has a small breeding population down in the, the southwestern Cape. So that is another possibility that birds will actually set up uh, new subpopulations that breed in the, in the other hemisphere, as it were. We've got a voice note for you. Let's go to it. Hi, Michelle. Just like that to you. Um, how long does the birds take, or how long do the birds uh, travel from the UK to here? Hmm. The distance, how long does it take for them to, to travel? Brilliant question. And, and, and uh, do they fly all the way, or do they stop and take a bit of a breather, or have a, like a snack somewhere? How long does it take them? Right. So the the one the one um, incident that I am aware of was a, a bird ringed in Britain that ended up in Durban uh, a maximum of 28 days. So that gives you some idea of of rate of travel. They do come down. They they will travel quite often at night 
because it's cooler and often the conditions are more stable. And some of the navigational uh, techniques that they use involve looking at star patterns and actually adjusting their, their, their routes according to the movement of the stars. So <clears throat> they will fly at night, but then come down possibly early in the morning for a rest. And then during the day, as they actually continue with the onward migration, they'll also try and feed. But a lot of the time, these birds have to rely on a store of fat that they actually build up before they head off on their long migration. And they use that literally as kind of a reserve tank uh, of energy to make make the trip. So you'll find swallows at the moment and, and our bee eaters here in Joburg are, are getting ready to migrate back to Europe as well. And they form larger flocks. They're very restless. They're very vocal. But they're feeding intensively at the moment. They've just all replaced all of their old tatty feathers so that they've got a good uh, a good set of, of flight feathers particularly to, to help them make the flight efficient. Um, and then they are now feeding intensively to actually get that energy reserve to help them make it all the way back to Europe to breed. As my godchild was telling me, he said that everything in the wild is linked to energy and the use of energy. I thought that was such an interesting comment. Just uh, apropos what our, our last uh, um, caller said, you mentioned that they they, they fly in, in, in formation and that kind of thing. How does that work? To be honest, I don't think we really know. Um, huh. If you see these vast flocks of starlings, the, the common starling or European starling, uh, moving when they finish breeding, they will form flocks of millions of birds. And yeah. they fly in these dense flocks that look almost like a smoke and these flocks weave and dive and almost flow through each other and you know you look at that and just think you know who'd be air control flight controller on something <laughs> like that because you know you just see everything crashing and burning everywhere yeah. um how they manage to avoid each other in those vast numbers is is anybody's guess there's quite a lot of conversation going um and they're all heading in the same direction at more or less the same speed. You know, when they're migrating, they're not fooling around like the, the starlings. And so they just keep going. And they do space out. It's not as, you know, dense a flock as you see in Quilia, for example, or, or something like that. And they just uh, keep up this nice constant speed. Um, there, could, there are threats on the way, and those threats are often man-made. So things like lighthouses attract, attract swallows in, in bad weather. Um, high radio masts with those stay wires, the guide, uh, guide wires keeping the mast up, are, are lethal. So migration, apart from the, the, the sheer pressure of flying those distances and finding enough energy to make the distance, um, have other threats as well. So if the need for migration eases, if, you know, our overall our climate is actually a lot warmer, um, you may find that the behavior does disappear, at least in some of the species that we see as visitors. Jeff, I have to ask you this because it's something we've talked about with our listeners many a time, and we're all in massive debate about it. Do you think that birds ever fly or sing just for fun? 
I know if you watch birds at a bird bath, they definitely seem to bath, and you know they're like kids in a pool. They they definitely enjoy things. Um, singing, uh, singing in the first thing in the morning uh, may sound gorgeous and beautiful for us and make us wake up in a good mood, but that singing, in fact, is a pretty aggressive statement of ownership. They're waking up and just telling the neighbors, I'm still here, don't even think about poaching in my, you know, in my patch. That territory, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's certainly they, they enjoy life, but I, I honestly can't say that I've ever looked at a bird singing and think, and, you know, thought, okay, you're doing it just for the sheer joy of it. There is, of course, the story of um, the lark in the UK, which was singing, and then there was the musician, I think she was on a violin or something, who was uh, performing with the lark, yeah. and it really made for apparently an extraordinary, extraordinary thing. We'll try and find that um, information. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Jeff Lockwood is an ornithologist at the Delta Environmental Center, and Chapter 2 is saying, Good morning. Thank you for this incredibly informative topic. I've learned a lot about birds. Absolutely amazing. Please thank your guest for the knowledge. I have to say, uh, I absolutely agree. I love this kind of information. Cats saying birds' instinctive behavior is amazing. It makes me realize how far humans have strayed from their own instinctive behaviors as well. It's 8 o'clock. It's time for the news. Good morning.